Assalamu alaikum everyone. Welcome to my space. Um, I'm Omar Abbas Hayat, a blogger and a podcaster. And today we're going to discuss Indian interference in Maldives uh, with our special guest, Ahmed Azan. He's a journalist from Maldives and co-founder of DRS.com. Um, but before I go to him, I just wanted to call out a few things. Um, so number one, the space is recorded. Recording of the space will be available on my podcast in a day or so. Um, the second thing that I wanted to call out is um, this space is going to be an hour long, um, out of which 40 to 45 minutes I will spend um, discussing this conversation with Ahmed. And in the remaining 15 to 20 minutes, I will allow members of the audience to take mic and ask their questions. Um, and if anyone's not comfortable taking the mic and asking questions, please feel free to write down your questions in the comments section of this space. And I will try and incorporate those questions in my conversation as much as I can. Um, so, um, Ahmed, thank you so much for joining us. Um, welcome um, once again. Um, I want to start by asking you, uh, tell us a little bit about Maldives. Um, for those who may not know a lot about Maldives. So a lot of people know that Maldives um, is a Muslim country, um, but we don't know what percentage, percentage of country is Muslim and um, what sort of constitution it has. So if you can start by letting us know or telling us a little bit about Maldives, then we'll get into the conversation. Thank you, Amar, once again. So yeah, I'll start right away. Well, this is a island nation located in the Indian Ocean and we are one of the smallest countries in the world. Our population is about uh, 340,000 and we are also the smallest country in South Asia. And uh, Maldives is a 100% Muslim country. According to our constitution, all Maldivians must be Muslims. And uh, there are, of course, people who reject Islam, but uh, as per the constitution, everyone should be a Muslim. And uh, what else? The GDP of Maldives is the highest in South Asia. The GDP per capita is also among the highest in the world, but uh, there are many problems associated with this, such as in income inequality and so on. But uh, I'll talk about it later. But I think uh, there should be enough, or should I add some more? No, thank you so much for thank you so much for giving us that information. Now, I'm aware that Maldives got independence in 1965, and it had its first democratically elected government in 2008. And I'm also aware that um, India and Maldives have historically had um, good relations um, in terms of um, uh, diplomatic, defence, economic, and cultural ties. Um, so what happened, what happened in 2020 and 2021 that there was this huge campaign against India? And if I'm not wrong, the campaign was called India Out, where a lot of people in Maldives were, were asking for India to stop interfering in Maldives internal affairs. Um, and also, um, uh, in, I, I believe it was 2021 or 2020, I, I can't remember the exact date, where an Indian high commission actually complained about um, a sort of campaign against India in Maldives. So what, what happened um, between 2008, when Maldives got its first democratically elected government, to 2020, wherein there was this huge campaign against Indian interference in Maldives? 
Thank you, Amar. Uh, actually, the Indian interference in Maldives and domestic affairs is, is not new. True, the campaign started in 2020, early 2020, but Indian interference is not new. Even during the administration of President Mahmoud, uh, there were instances where in India interfered in our internal affairs. And back in 2008, I think I should go back to the history a bit uh, for us to come back to 2021. So, if you go back to 2008, President Nasheed was elected in 2008. And of course, we have always had those relations with India. Almost all the, I think, every, almost all the presidents after Muhammad Nasheed, their first official visit had been to India. Even President Yamin, President Wahid, President Nasheed, this was kept like this. This also shows how significant our relationship with India was. But what happened in 2008 was after President Nasheed got elected. In 2009, I think, India offered uh, to donate a military helicopter to the Maldives. At the time, uh, what they said was that it was a donation and then uh, they would train Maldivian soldiers to fly this helicopter. This was in 2009. And in 2012, President Nasheed resigned, and even at that time, the helicopter was there. Indian soldiers were operating it, but they didn't keep up. They, they didn't keep their promise of training Maldivian soldiers. Indians were operating the helicopter even in 2012, and later in President Yamin's administration, another helicopter was brought, and they said the same thing, but they didn't train anyone. So. As you know, during President Yamin's administration, the administration was closer to China, and this made India uncomfortable. And there was a lot of uh, diplomatic pressure in, in various ways, such as restricting visa, restricting uh, imports of certain goods, and so on. And in 2018, President Yamin's administration decided not to renew the agreement. So these helicopters are actually not a donation, it was a loan. They were just operating it under defense agreement. So at that time, the government of President Yamin decided not to renew these agreements, and then India refused to take back those helicopters. So th this is where one, uh, this is where the issue started. So uh, at that time, it was even reported on media that Maldives is actually sending back these helicopters, and uh, India actually refused to take back the helicopters. They gave various excuses, saying we need more time to demobilize and so on. And in 2018, there was an election in September. President Yamin lost the election, and soon after that, uh, the current MDP administration renewed the helicopter agreement. So a lot of people were aware about this. And uh, so President Salih made his first trip as president to India. And during this trip, Indian media reported that India is offering one billion US dollars in exchange for a military base in the Maldives. And uh, government, of course, denied it, but it was heavily reported on Indian media. So. After that, I mean, when President Yamin lost the election, the then opposition, the current opposition actually accused India of interfering in the election and said that they lost as a result of Indian influence, which is true, true up to an extent. And then in 2020, what happened was uh, India proposed several new agreements. One was uh, developing a military base 
near the capital Mali, the capital of Mali is Mali city. They proposed to develop a military base near Mali. They also signed another agreement to operate a military helicopter in the Maldives. And they signed another agreement, uh, a hydrographic survey agreement with the Maldives. And these two agreements, the military base agreement and the hydrographic survey agreement, both of these agreements uh, proposed during President Yamin's administration. And I think even during President Wahid's administration, President Wahid was uh, President Nasheed's vice president and he was the president from 2012 till 2013. So, but both of them rejected these agreements and during President Saul's administration in 2020, he decided to accept India's offer and sign these agreements. So, this is where it started. I mean, it's uh, Indian interference is nothing new. People know about it, but uh, I think people started talking openly about this after government decided to sign these agreements. And at the moment, we have uh, Indian uh, military presence across five or six locations across the Maldives. That is one helicopter in North Maldives, one uh, one aircraft in North Maldives that is in Hanimadu. It is the northernmost atoll in the Maldives. Maldives is made up of uh, 20 atolls. So... Uh, there's one in the north, there's one helicopter in, 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 in the center, in the central atoll, and there's one in the south. And then this military base is uh, located close to the capital, Mali. And also we have Indian military ships uh, all across the country. They are conducting this hydrographic survey. So, <clears throat> and what triggered this uh, movement, India Out movement, was government's decision not to disclose these agreements which they signed with uh, India. We submitted right to information requests to the Defense Ministry of the Maldives and they refused to disclose any of the information. But somehow some of these agreements got leaked to the public and there were a lot of disturbing uh, clauses in these agreements such as Indian military can actually operate with arms on this military base and also the agreement period is I think uh, 30 years. So many of these things led to the India art movement. I think as we go on, I can explain further. So, yeah. Yeah. So um, one thing that I wanted to ask you, would you say the current Maldives um, administration is friendly towards India compared with the previous ones? Um, and, uh, and if yes, um, what is the reason that India wants its military base and military presence in Maldives? Is it to deter ch growing Chinese influence in the area? Well, they, they are more than friendly, of course. Some people might even uh, describe the current regime as a puppet regime of India for, for various reasons. And why they want military bases in, in, in Maldives is, yes, one reason is to deter Chinese influence. And this is part of India's grand strategy to spread their influence in the Indian Ocean region. It's not only in the Maldives they have uh, military presence. They have military presence in Seychelles, in Mauritius, and I think even in Madagascar. And uh, Al Jazeera recently did a documentary about uh, one of their military bases in, in the Seychelles or Mauritius, I'm not sure. It's called the Agalega Island. So it's not unique to the Maldives. It's uh, something that is felt by almost all the island nations in the region. Okay. And uh, so uh, help me with this, um, Ahmed. 
Um, when we say the current administration of Maldives is more than friendly and, in fact, maybe um, an installed or a puppet um, of Indian um, regime, are we talking about corruption? Are we talking about bribes? Um, or are we just saying that these people are over, overtly and over-friendly with India? I think it's a combination of everything you just said. There's corruption, there's over-friendliness, there's extreme dependence on the current Indian administration. And we should also remember how how they came here in the first place. I'm talking about the current administration. President Sajid was installed by the Indian government because when during the 2018 election, there was a lot of pressure from India on Maldives uh, to allow President Saleh to compete in the election. And uh, and also India was involved in heavily financing President Saleh's campaign. And even after getting elected, they have themselves publicly admitted that without India's help, they could uh, not have won the election. Even uh, President Nasheed, who is the Speaker of the Parliament, he himself stated that it was with India's help they came to power. So, yeah, that's that's why. And uh, that perception of uh, the President Saul's regime being a puppet administration is uh, widely believed by most of the Maldivians now, I think, for for various reasons. Thank you for that, Ahmed. You've mentioned President Nasheed um, a few times, and if uh, if I remember it correctly, he was ousted forcefully from the office, and it was a huge international, um, you know, case wherein people were concerned. He was, uh, I think, he was even detained at one point in time. Do you do you think, or is there is there any claim to suggest that India was somehow involved in ousting President Nasheed? Well, I, I do not believe so. There was an inquiry done by a special commission, and I, I don't think in, India was involved in it. But uh, President Nasheed and MDP, they were unhappy with India at the time because India was quick to recognize President Wahid's government. So at that time, they did accuse the Indian uh, High Commissioner in the Maldives. I think his name is Mule. Yeah, he, they accused Mule of interfe- interfering in the domestic uh, processes that happened right after President Nasheed's resignation. But uh, I personally do not believe that India had a major role in removing him from power. It was uh, a, a, There were a lot of domestic issues which led to his resignation. Thank you. Um, and also, since we're talking about India, India is this um, giant economic power um, in South Asia, right? And it sometimes uses that power to bully other nations like Bangladesh, um, Nepal, um, and what have you. Um, and sometimes it gets its crony capitals, uh, capitalist um, business deals in these countries or overseas. Have there been any uh, uh, records or have there been any such activities uh, uh, of Indian businesses in Maldives wherein, um, you know, like uh, maybe they established shell companies or um, established interest for the purposes of tax evasion, etc.? Has, has there been any such reporting or claims or accusations? Well, I, I cannot say with clear proof that 
uh, they, they have done something like taxation. But uh, since President Saul assumed office, uh, Indian presence is at an all-time high. Almost all the major projects are given to Indian companies, and some of these companies are actually contributors to the BJP campaign. A good example is FCON's Infrastructure Private Limited. Uh, recently, FCONS was awarded uh, to develop a bridge between Mali and another island. It's a $600 million uh, worth project. And this is not the only project uh, by FCONS. They are conducting various projects. And uh, what's interesting is that FCONS is also the company tasked with developing a military base in Agalega Islands. And uh, so definitely FCONS is closed with the BJP government. And uh, there's no proof, but uh, there's good reason to believe that uh, the Indian government is actually uh, awarding these projects to FCONS. And in return, they are getting kickbacks back in India. So FCONS is most probably uh, taking this money and then giving it back to BJP campaigns. And an Indian activist actually submitted the right to information request to the government of India. And uh, it's on his blog, uh, we can see that uh, FCONS contributed a lot to the BJP campaign in 2014 and even in the most recent elections. So, but uh, there's no clear proof of this that they are actually taking money from here and doing it, but it all points to that direction. And when we say military base um, in Maldives, right, how is it generally perceived by the opposition uh, in Maldives? Is it is it perceived as a threat or, or by general population? Um, how do people perceive these um, military bases or military activities, especially the part where Indian um, soldiers um, can carry arms? Um, how is that perceived by the general population? It, it, do they see that as a threat to Maldives' um, integrity or security? The general perception is like that people see people see that as a threat to our sovereignty. But uh, the issue is that Maldives is made up of uh, thousand one hundred islands, and uh, we don't. Uh, it's not like we see these soldiers on the streets with arms. We we rarely see anyone like that. So most people are not bothered or unaware. But uh, on social media, there is a strong uh, anti-Indian sentiment. And as for the military base, which they are developing near Mali, it's, it's not complete yet. They have uh, contacted an Indian company just two or three months ago, I think. So they haven't started uh, the development process. And uh, as for the opposition parties, uh, the major opposition party, PPM, they have strongly voiced out against this uh, island military base and President Yamin himself is the leader of the opposition. He himself started uh, an India out campaign and the primary uh, topic, the primary goal was to stop the development of this military base. And uh, I should also mention that according to the constitution of the Maldives, uh, a foreign country cannot actually develop a military base in the Maldives. So what they did was they included all the features of a military base, but they don't call it a military base. They say that it's a, a port, a port for the Maldivian Defense Forces, but uh, Indians should be stationed there for 30 years just to train Maldivian forces. So it doesn't make any sense for Indian soldiers to be stationed 
in the Maldives for 30 years just to train us. And as per the constitution of the Maldives, all the parliament members should vote yes uh, for a foreign military base to be developed in the Maldives. So they have uh, bypassed this law by just saying that it's not a military base. Oh, wow. So it is technically a military base, but it's not called as such because Maldivian constitution doesn't allow a foreign military base in the country. Okay, that makes that makes sense. Now, Ahmed, how has China reacted to all these developments? Um, I believe China also has interest in the area, that it was friendly with Maldives at one point in time. Um, what is the relationship between Maldives and China now? Is it is it all cordial and friendly, or is China upset that India India's presence is growing in the area? Well, the, the, they are usually very silent, it, and I think the relationship is cordial and friendly. Even the Maldivian Foreign Minister Abdul Shahid visited China, and we have seen some high-level visit from China to the Maldives. But recently, I think uh, in November 2022, uh, there was an instance where Maldivian, the government of Maldives was invited to a, a forum in China, and uh, the government actually refused to attend. And former president of the Wahid, he attended the conference on his personal capacity. And then the foreign ministry of Maldives issued a statement saying that uh, Maldives did not pa- take part in the conference. They had to explain that Dr. Wahid uh, took part in the conference in his personal capacity. So, uh, yeah, the, the, that's the only significant incident, I think. But uh, President Nasheed, in the past, the previous Chinese ambassador used to uh, respond to President Nasheed on Twitter, especially about... Uh, President Nasheed was spreading misinformation about Chinese loans and so on. So there were some instances where the Chinese ambassador was responding to him on Twitter. But other than that, the relationship is cordial and friendly. But it's not like as before, even President Yam's administration, we borrowed a lot from China. There was a lot of uh, economic uh, cooperation between China and Maldives. We even signed a free trade uh, agreement with China. But after assuming office, President Saleh did not uh, continue the uh, free trade deal as well. So, but all I think I should say that the relationship is pretty cordial and friendly even during COVID. China assisted the Maldives. And as for the Indian military presence, China doesn't react. At least uh, publicly, there has been nothing from the Chinese side. And also, if I remember it correctly, a while ago, there was a huge campaign from Maldives about climate change. Um, In fact, Maldives was leading the conversation about climate change and global warming. Um, suddenly that, that seems to have gone away. Has there been a strategic uh, policy behind that or is it still being talked about but it's not in the mainstream news? Because I remember very clearly when President Nasheed was in the office, he was actively leading the charge on um, the climate change conversation because Maldives is one of those countries, um, naturally because it's, it's made up of islands, um, it was going to be affected heavily uh, because of climate change. So what happened to that conversation? Um, is it still in the discourse or has it faded away? 
I think it, it faded away with President Nasheed. The climate change discourse, it revolved around President Nasheed. And uh, with him gone, it, it, it slowly faded away. I mean, even now, we do take part in international climate conferences. Even President Saul took part in the event in Scotland last year. But uh, it's not like as it was before. Back uh, then, back when President Nasheed was in power, he actually had uh, international PER firms hired just for this purpose. So with him gone, now uh, slowly it has faded away, but it's, I don't think it has any change. In, it, it has to do anything with change in policy or any strategic uh, decisions. It's just that with President Nasheed, it's just gone like that. Thank you, Amal. Now, one uh, one question that I want to ask is, um, what would be the best case scenario for Maldives? Um, would it be India or Indian military leaving the island, or do they just stay there but be transparent as to what they're doing or what their activities are? What are the expectations from Maldivians or Maldivian politicians about what should happen in terms of these military bases um, whether they'd, they'd be just happy if they were transparent or would they like them leave? I think the general perception is that they should leave because Maldives is not at a state of uh, where we need uh, military assistance from Indians. We, 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 we are not fighting anyone. We don't need uh, defense. We don't need any help in defense. So I think the general idea among uh, the public at least and even among opposition politicians is that uh, Indian military should leave. And uh, the major opposition party is PPM and President Yamin, who is the leader of that party, clearly stated that in the next PPM administration, uh, the Indian Indian military should leave the Maldives. And Umar Nasir, he, who, who, he is also a politician, uh, he also stated that uh, Indian, sol- Indian soldiers should not be staying in the Maldives. And I think they are the only politicians who actually spoke against Indian military presence. Uh, but as for MDP, the ruling party, MDP and other coalition partners, uh, so the government is made up of a coalition, MDP is the major party, and then we have uh, several other minor parties like JP, MRM, and so on. They, uh, what they say in public at least is that they are fine with Indian military presence and they justify it uh, by saying that we need their assistance. But I think in private, even they, they are not happy with Indian military presence, but they don't say it for various reasons. That's interesting, Ahmed. You, you've mentioned that um, the ruling coalition may um, may say in public that you know uh, they're okay with it, and in private they may not be okay with it. So, what is it exactly that's that's um, making them accept um, India's um, you know sort of um, hegemony over the region, or especially with the military bases? What what are the reasons? So, I'm I'm just trying to understand. So, this is the ruling coalition. They have the power to say. No, you can leave the country, but they're not doing that. Um, so do you think India has that kind of leverage that it can dictate another country's government? Hey, yeah, it's a mix of both. One thing is that they do have leverage, especially now 
due to covid because we during covid we borrowed a lot from india right now we have around i think 1.3 billion dollars in debt to india that's just external loans and even internally as domestic debt we have borrowed from sba the state bank of india there's a local branch in the maldives the government keeps borrowing from sba as well so i think this is the major leverage they hold over the government of maldives now and also like i said before they came to power with the help of india so who knows what what agreements they had with india back then i think this is the main reason and if we take an example from the past when president nasheed came to power no, sorry president wahid came to power india actually gave back when back during president nasheed's administration india gave 100 million dollar credit line to the maldives and within the first few months of president wahid's administration india actually demanded the government to pay back uh, that 100 million dollar credit line within a period of one month i think so and at that time it was a real struggle and some private businesses actually helped the government to pay back the credit line if not more this uh, would go to a sovereign default and right now the situation is worse than that because we have over i think close to uh, 200 million dollars to the state bank of india alone which is the local branch and more than a billion to the exim bank of india so if uh, the government refuses to do what they ask there is a high possibility that they might ask us to return the loans all at once and this is something which already happened so this is not like a conspiracy or something this is something which already happened so there is a very high chance that india might do it again sorry this may this may then make me ask you so you know usually when countries lend the money it comes it comes with terms and conditions as in uh the terms and conditions can be you know the other country will pay it back in um 10 years time or 20 years time or 5 years time with um x y and z amount of interest so are you suggesting that there are no such terms and conditions with these loans and india can in fact demand for this money to be returned at any point in time Well, there are two kind kinds of loans one which is from the exim bank of india these are long term loans like 15 years 20 years periods and then there are these short term loans usually they give credit lines to the state bank of india or the government of maldives issues short term bonds uh, to the state bank of india and when uh, it expires they just roll it over so it is these short term loans which comes with these terms uh, with a lot of political requirements as well so uh, they can't do it for the uh, long term loans from the exim bank but uh, these short term bonds and credit lines yes they can do it and just to give an idea to the audience ahmed um if you can talk about what are the economic sources or what are the revenue sources for maldives um to the audience that'll be great because you know when you're talking about loans it it seems like these are big big loans right so how will maldives then pay these loans back what are the sources of revenue or what are the sources of um you know income through which maldives can generate this much amount of money and return that to india what 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 does maldivian economy rely on is it primarily tourism and are there any other 
avenues of generating revenue within Maldives? Um, can you hear me? Sorry, your mic is mute. Uh, hello, yeah. So more than 90% of the modern economy is based on tourism. And there's uh, some, I think, around less than 5% of uh, fisheries sector. But most of it is uh, tourism. And our GDP is around 5 billion US dollars. And Maldives is a small economy, but our GDP per capita is high because our population is uh, low. And in short, uh, how we plan to pay these loans is entirely through tourism revenue. There's, there's nothing else. Thank you. So in essence, India has loaned money to Maldives, and it is also alleged that Indian government may have helped uh, the administration or the current coalition to come into power. And these two combinations um, are making India, in, Indian interference in Maldives inevitable. Is, is that a fair assessment or a fair summary? Yeah, that is indeed a fair summary. And do you think if there was to be a government change, let's say this coalition goes away from power and the other parties um, come into government or in power, would this continuation of Indian interference remain or will those parties take action and may reverse the course? It depends on who comes to power. Definitely if there's a PPM government, that's the main opposition party, they will take action. But it will be it will be difficult because as I said before, we owe more than $1.3 billion to India. It will be an uphill battle, but it's, it's not impossible. It's not impossible to send back their military and to repay these loans, but uh, it will be difficult. It will be quite difficult. But there will be a change in policy, that, that is for sure. And India will try to keep interfering in domestic affairs of Modis. And, but one thing we should always understand is that India is our neighbor. We can't actually cut off all diplomatic relationship with India. We should have cordial and friendly relation with India. And But keeping that in mind, keeping that in mind, we should uh, not accept their military presence in the Maldives. And I think this will be the stand of PPM as well. Uh, they will have cordial and friendly relationship with India, but at the same time, there are some things which they cannot accept, such as military presence and uh, the interference in dom domestic affairs of Maldives or excessive borrowing from India. Thank you, Ahmed. Now, what, before I open the mic for the audience, I just wanted to ask um, a quick question about India app campaign. Is it still ongoing? Are people still um, using the hashtags or are, are people still on the roads or, complain, or writing articles, etc.? Is that campaign still ongoing? Well, it is still ongoing, but uh, not like before. What happened was uh, due to an Indian request, the president of the Maldives issued a presidential decree banning the India Out movement. So now if you actively take part in this campaign, maybe go out and protest, Maldives police will actually stop you and detain you. And this decree is unconstitutional, but uh, Maldives police keeps following the un unconstitutional orders. And at the moment, we actually submitted a court a case to the High Court of the Maldives asking to nullify 
the president's unconstitutional decree and the court hearings are going on so i think after they decide on what to do with the presidential decree the campaign might resume but at the moment it's not like as it was back in 2020 or 2021 but people still talk about it on social media mainly oh thank you so you're saying there is a presidential decree um saying that people cannot go out and protest um against india is that is that correct yes there is a presidential decree and it is being challenged in a court it is being challenged in the court and also the government is planning to draft a special legislation which uh, prevents people from protesting against india and this uh, presidential decree is i think a temporary solution temporary measure taken by the government till they can pass this piece of legislation well wow. so sorry uh, this this is a little bit shocking for me so maldives a separate sovereign country on its own is planning to pass a legislation that will prohibit protesting against its neighboring country is is that right did i get that yeah. right yeah you got it right and also at the moment, even now we have a presidential decree specifically banning the india out movement it was issued by president ibrahim mohammed saleh in April 2022 i'm not sure about the exact month but it was done last year well um so many interesting things uh thanks for um sharing that with us um ahmed i'll open the mic now for the audience um so members of the audience if you have any questions please feel free to take the mic and ask your question i'm happy to accept your request um but please make sure the questions are respectable um and um uh, and uh, we uh, adhere to the decorum so i'll i'll take our first um request it's um mais mahmoud he's just joining so assalamu alaikum mais how are you um mais can you hear us yeah uh, actually uh, i was about to give a comment about this uh, indian presence military presence actually it cannot be happen because uh, uh, legislations it's it says clearly that uh, any other foreign military presence cannot be presented in mauritius uh, during Ibrahim Nasir's time uh, during his presidency uh, and British uh, military presence they they were put out uh, from uh, our country uh, after that there was no military pre- presence uh, but during uh, Mohammad Nasir's time he signed some agreements uh, with indian prime minister at the time uh, i i don't know uh, which year uh, i can give you reference about it but this should uh, come to uh, every country should respect their sovereignty but indian they clearly 
they does not do that they put uh, their military with uh, heavy military equipments with helicopters aircrafts uh, some there are some agreements that are been exposed uh, thanks to azan for that yeah that Thank you. Thanks, Myers. Thanks for sharing your um, comments. Um, Ahmed, I just wanted to quickly ask you, so what, what, what could be the reason behind India sending its military or its soldiers in Maldives? Like, it, to me, it, it, personally, it doesn't make sense that a small country such as Maldives will require Indian soldiers. What is, what is the purpose, what is the goal of this military base Um what is it trying to deter or what is what is it trying to achieve by um you know through this military base in maldives is is this a strategic point is it a point where india wants to control the influence of china I, 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 what exactly is the reason behind this military base definitely maldives doesn't need it then why is india uh, adamant that it should be there Maldives is located in a strategic location. That is one reason. And uh, India is a growing superpower. They they would want to expand their sphere of influence. And as I said before, Maldives is not the only country with uh, Indian military presence. We have Indian military in the Seychelles, Mauritius, Madagascar, almost all these island nations in the Indian Ocean. And uh, I think that is also to deter Chinese uh, presence in the region. As you said, we don't have a requirement. We, we don't need Indian military or any other country's military in our waters or on our soil. Thank you. Um, I have a question from a member of the audience. Um, okay, so they, they, want, they want to know... Um, there are claims, so this is along, uh, this question is along the lines of climate change. Um, so they're saying there are claims that, um, according to some estimates, that about 80% of Maldives may no longer exist by 2050. Um, so what is the current government doing to tackle that? Um, is it raising voice or what exactly is happening? I think I asked a similar question, but I think this is specific to um, climate change affecting Maldives. Um, in terms of, um, you know, the 80% of Maldives may no longer exist by 2050. I'm sorry, um, I'm not aware of that study, but that's a question. So I would put it to you, Ahmed. Do you have any comments on that one? Well, yeah, I, I'm not an expert in that area myself, but I, I don't think that that study is really solid. You know, there they have been some disputes whether it can really happen. And uh, I don't think any government can do much about it you know if the more this is going to be underwater in 25 years what, what can we possibly do there there are limited options even president uh, nashid's administration he suggested that we migrate to australia and uh, recently the government announces announced a floating house project but it, it turned out to be a scam as well so i don't think we can do much about it but yes the government is actually voicing out in the international arena about climate change and its impact on us. But uh, if we think practically, there's nothing much we can do about it at the moment. Thank you, Hamad. I've gotten another question um, from the comments. Um, so one of the members of the audience wants to know, how was um, 
COVID, how was COVID's impact on Maldives considering um, 90% of, of its economy is driven by tourism? Uh, so how, how did it impact? What were the consequences? Um, were people able to um, maintain, you know, their, their um, livelihoods? Um, so how, was, how did COVID impact Maldives? Well, uh, COVID had a huge uh, negative impact on our economy. That, that's one. Uh, our economy was at negative 36%. I think the economic growth was at negative 36 uh, I think. And we had to close uh, our borders. So that means tourism came to a stop. And in terms of the impacts directly due to COVID, uh, a lot of people died and uh, it was the economy was at a halt so there was a huge uh, especially in 2020 and later in 2021 uh, during the outbreak of the omicron variant a lot of people died but uh, one good thing is that uh, this is made up of uh, separate islands separate 200 islands so it did not spread like it did in other countries. There was an outbreak in Capital Male, but also in some of the islands, they were largely unaffected by it. And we were able to open our borders uh, pretty early compared to other countries. And we were able to restart the economy because uh, in Maldives we have one island, one resort concept. So it's very easy to control the infection. Like there were cases when uh, tourists also got infected, but it was contained within the resort. So that way the government at the time promoted Maldives as a safe destination. So you're able to restart uh, the economy pretty soon, but we are still uh, suffering from what happened during that time. The economy is still uh, slowly improving. The growth is slow, but... uh, it's not as it was back. It, it's not at the same level as the pre-pandemic level. So it was a difficult time, and even now we are suffering as a result. Now I have a question of my own. So the other day when I tweeted um, the link to this space, and I um, and I in the brackets mentioned Muslim majority countries. So some people I wasn't uh, I wasn't really aware of the Maldivian constitution at the time. So some people took offense to it and they called out that there is um, a clause in the constitution that says if, if anybody leaves Islam, then they may no longer remain a citizen of Maldives. And um, there was another uh, person that commented, I can't remember the name, uh, but he s- uh, said something, uh, something along the lines of there is this um, secular liberal coalition within Maldives that's, uh, that's actively working to undermine that clause or... Um, uh, or change that clause? Is that right? Yeah, well, uh, it, it's it's my fault actually. I should have told you before you do it. <laughs> Sorry for that. Yeah, uh, well, yeah, the Maldives is a hundred percent Muslim country according to our constitution. Uh, all Maldivians must be Muslims, and uh, there are people who are actively trying to change it. That's true. Uh, there are a lot of uh, secular uh, secular activists, but uh, that number is not not that huge. But the issue is that a lot of these people are at influential positions. Some are working for the government, some are parliament members, and uh, some are prominent politicians. And uh, But these people, they, they don't really advocate it 
advocate for it openly because it's quite controversial and majority of the Modians will not accept it. But that's true, there are people who actually advocate to remove this clause from the constitution, which says that all Modians must be Muslims. Thank you. I have another question from uh, a member of the audience, and they're asking, um, so there was a great partnership between President uh, Mohammed Nasheed and President Mahathir Mohammed of Malaysia, and there was a kind of soft power. Um, does that partnership still exist? Um, and if yes, um, does Maldives have any soft power on Muslim countries, um, the Middle Eastern countries? How are the relations between Maldives and uh, Malaysia and how is the relationship between Maldives and other Muslim countries, including the ones in the Middle East? Well, I, I'm not aware of a partnership between President Nasheed and Mahathir Mohammed. I think it must be between uh, President Mahmoud and uh, Prime Minister Mahathir Muhammad. Uh, but I am not aware of any partnership. But uh, we do have a good uh, relationship with uh, Muslim countries, even Malaysia and Gulf countries, Saudi Arabia, UAE, Qatar, all, all these countries. We, we do enjoy uh, a good relationship with these countries. And I think Saudi Arabia is the number one country which gives us most grant free aid to the Maldives. So the relationship is uh, pretty solid, especially during President Mahmoud's administration and during President Yamin's administration. During President Nasheed's administration, he was uh, more closer to the European countries and India. And uh, President Saudi's administration, I think they have a well-balanced uh, relationship with all these Arab countries, Gulf countries, and even Malaysia. Thank you. I've got another another question. Um, so uh, apparently during Arab Spring, there were concerns that some Maldivian youth ended up in the Middle East on the wrong side of um, the radicalization part. So um, apparently there were reports um, that some people joined organizations like ISIS and there was a huge um, push um, on Maldives government to tackle growing, quote-unquote, growing radicalization in Maldives. Um, is that still a concern? Has that been tackled? Um, what has happened after that? Well, that is true that uh, many Maldivians actually left to Syria and Iraq to join ISIS and ISIL. But I don't think that's unique to the Maldives. People from the UK join, people from Australia, people from US, people from, from all these uh, Western liberal European societies went to Syria and fought. And uh, and right now, I, th I don't think it's at that level as it was back in 2014, because right now the situation in Syria is pretty much stable. It was not like uh, the early 2014 or 2015. But uh, probably there are still people who would want to go and maybe join ISIS or ISIL, but uh, I think it's not that much of a challenge as it was back in those days. And as I said before, it's, it's not unique to the Maldives. And it's a, a global challenge, I think. Absolutely, I agree with you. It was a global challenge. Um, I have another question. This is on a lighter note. So apparently, Amal Clooney 
made Maldives pretty famous overseas. Is she equally famous in Maldives because of her high-profile case um, for President Nasheed? This is completely on a lighter note. Yeah, she's she's, uh, equally famous uh, in the Maldives. And and back in 2020, the government of Maldives actually planned to hire her in another case. Uh, I think, yeah, the government was planning to submit a case to the International Court of Justice regarding the Rohingya Muslims in uh, Myanmar, and they planned to hire Amal Clooney to represent Maldives. I think uh, they, the government planned to intercede in the case submitted by Gambia. But I think uh, after COVID, when COVID started, government dropped those plans. I, I will have to check. I don't know whether they went ahead with it or not. But at that time, they actually did plan to hire Amal Clooney. And, uh, yeah, but I, I don't have any more updates on it. Thank you, Ahmed. Now uh, we are heading towards the closure of this space. So what I would um, what I would love for you to do is if you can, um, you know, just to the audience listening and people who would be listening to my podcast, um, if you can uh, tell us anything you want to say, be it about Maldives, be it about Indian interference as a summary, uh, what would be, what should be our takeaway? Um, what should people keep in mind when it comes to this conversation about Indian interference in Maldives or Maldives in general? Um, if you can summarize that in your comments, um, then perhaps we can close this space. Ahmed, can you hear me? I, uh, your uh, mic is muted. Sorry, sorry, my mic was muted. Yeah. So what I was saying is that we need more international attention. We need uh, influencers, journalists, and media personalities from uh, outside Maldives to talk about this issue because uh, not many people are aware that uh, we are facing these issues. Most people, when they hear about Maldives, it's always about tourism, it's about climate change. But uh, climate change is also a real challenge, but I think uh, Indian interference in our domestic affairs is an immediate threat, it's an immediate uh, thing which uh, needs to be addressed now. And uh, most of the rest of the world is not really aware about it. And uh, the, the, the situation is getting worse day by day. There are instances where uh, the Indian High Commissioner in the Maldives is actually threatening local journalists. I myself have been uh, threatened by the Indian High Commissioner in the Maldives. And uh, they have taken control of almost all the domestic institutions. Enough, uh, so almost all these institutions, they keep sending Maldivians to train in India. So it's a form of uh, exerting their soft power on us. So we will lose our identity, we will lose our status as an independent sovereign nation if nothing is done. So what we need from the international community is attention to that matter, to this matter, like how you talk about Kashmir or about the plight of the Muslims in Myanmar. I think uh, this conversation needs to be taken to the international stage. There has been some efforts, some international media outlets like Al Jazeera, TRT, they, they have done some stories on this, but we need more help on that front. We need international media attention to this cause. Thank you. Thank you, Ahmed. And um, thanks for joining us today. Thanks, everyone, for joining us. 
Um, for me, the most um, shocking part of the conversation was when you mentioned there was actually a presidential decree against Maldivians um, protesting against India. That was a little bit um, shocking for me, considering Maldives is an independent sovereign country. Um, so that was the key. Uh, that That's when it dawned on me, this, uh, the, the severity of the issue. Um, I, I really want to thank everyone who's participated, um, asked their questions, sent their questions through DMs and in the comments section. Um, and thank you so much, Ahmed, for joining us. I'm really um, grateful that you came, uh, you took out your time and joined us. Um, hopefully, we'll have more of these sessions in the future. Um, but as of now, I'd, I'd close the space. Again, thanks, everyone, for joining us.